is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Good morning, and thank you for joining us here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. I'm Ms. Shannon, and Mimi Shoneman, she's actually too red hot this morning and couldn't make it in uh, this morning, but we are still joined uh, from our good friend, Phil Olson from American Mortgage and Equity. Good morning, Phil. Good morning. You look bright and shiny today. I am bright and shiny. And I am surprised that you don't look exhausted because you... You uh, told me before we started the show that it has been very, very busy out there in the real estate and mortgage world. It is absolutely unbelievable. All right. We Got have it. a lot of information, but before I let you tell all that stuff, let's do all of the legal stuff. So can we give everybody your NMLS number, please? You betcha. Two, it's NMLS 238-103, branch NMLS 379-094, company NMLS 150953. Okay, so I know we have a lot of stuff to cover. So first of all, before we get to all the amazing information, why has it been so busy out there, Phil? It, it's, it has to do with low inventory, a lot of buyers out there. Uh, I think interest rates, because they've risen a little bit, has gotten people off the fence. The, the main conundrum out there, though, is there's so little inventory that people are literally there. It's like sharks in the water. Wow. OK, so if you have something and you see a house and you think this is the house for me, you have to be ready to get uh, that right away. Yeah. Matter of fact, you're probably writing up your purchase agreement in the car right outside the house. All right. So what we do every week on the Red Hot Real Estate Show is help get you prepared to get the home of your dreams. We're going to do that again this morning. If you have a call, you can call in at six. If you have a question, you can call in at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. Because every week when you call in, you can get a copy of our things to do, consider when buying a home and things to consider when selling a home. But we also have a great opportunity. And what is it that you want to do again, Phil, for every caller that comes in? And calls in today. Well, in the last show, we we accumulated one hundred and fifty dollars in donations for a local woman's food sh- uh, woman's shelter. What I'd like to do is I'd like to really bump that number up. So I'm going to give another fifty dollars for every call in, and hopefully, Mimi and I can donate. 500, 700, Wonderful. whatever it happens to be. So call on in. Would love to be able to answer your questions. And a lot of you have been sitting on that question. You're like, I don't have time to call. Now here's a great time for you to call, get the answer that you need, and also help Phil and Mimi do a great thing for a local organization here in the Twin Cities. So I know we got Sonny ready because you were like, we needed some fanfare and stuff. So what are we going to talk about again today? Well, right now what we're going to talk about is I think we need to talk a little bit more about the market. Yes. And why is it so hot? Okay. So, couple things. Buyers want to buy while rates are still low. Okay. Okay. Now, I've hear I hear that people are saying, "Oh my god, the rates are high." Well, let's go back to the 1970s, 1980s. Interest rates were at 13%. People were still buying homes. Right. So, when when I talk with a consumer for one, I say, "Forget the rate. Let's build the mortgage based on affordability." based on a budget. Okay. And guess what? If we do that, it really doesn't make a difference what the rate is. Right. Uh, Secondly, a lot of people don't know that all the interest or a good portion of that interest, they can write off in their tax returns. Okay. Okay. Which allows them to get more money back from the federal government at the end of the year, which actually makes their mortgage payment less. All right. All right. So 
Housing prices are going up. They've been going up now for about the last three years, almost 10% annually. Builders are not building affordable homes. Okay. Okay. If if we have buyers that can afford 150 to even 300, yes, you're not going to find that in a new build. And that's a broad spectrum. That, that price a, range the, right there is really huge. That's yeah. a re- really huge spectrum. Mm-hmm. Now there are builders that are building in northern Minnesota, southern Minnesota. You can probably get you know a 2,400 square foot split level okay. type of home, and you can get that for maybe 250 thousand. But how about all these buyers that are wanting to buy that that small house yes. in Minneapolis, a hundred and fifty thousand, one eighty? I have two buyers, believe it or not, looked at a home for one ninety four. Another one looked at it at two oh three. Okay, went on the market here on Thursday. Yes, they visited it on Saturday, and they were up against ten other offers. Wow. Both of those clients, and they're going, Phil, what what do we offer? I go, well, how badly do you want the house? Exactly. So getting back to what what's happening with this market, okay, sellers are afraid to sell because they want to buy, mm-hmm. and they're afraid they won't be able to find their dream home once they sell their house. So they're just making do with what they already have. So that's why some of that inventory isn't, isn't going out there. Because that seller is going, oh, my God, my house is going to sell in 24, 48 hours. Right. And now now where do I move? Exactly. Now, as part of our show today, we're going to talk about alternative financing methods. One of the things you can do is you, instead of putting your house up for sale, you buy your house first. Okay. Then you move your stuff out of your house into the new house. And maybe you're going to go, well, I want to put 20% down and I don't have 20% down. Well, how about putting 5% down and then when you sell your house, we can completely recalibrate your old mortgage that you took out on this new home, pay down the principal, re-annuitize basically your mortgage or re-amortize it. Yes. And now remove that PMI. And lower that payment with that 20% down. And what's PMI again, Phil? Private mortgage insurance. Okay. Okay. And anytime a consumer is not putting 20% down, there is some form of mortgage insurance. Now, some some people might say, well, my lender did a loan with no mortgage insurance. My my comeback to that would be, well, then they probably did what's called lender-paid mortgage insurance. Okay. Which means that your interest rate is actually higher. Because they rolled it in somewhere else? They rolled it in to the interest rate. Rather than the consumer making an individual PMI payment, it's rolled right into the interest rate. That's always one of the most interesting things I find when I'm talking to you, Phil. When you come in here and you give us all this information. Because you do hear, like when we hear about the, well, you can just use some automated service to get your mortgage approved. I mean, your your loan approved. And they they, they do it like this, this rubber stamp thing. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, well, they told me no. Or I got this answer and didn't understand it. It's because a lot of those systems may only work with one product. And then, but you work with a host and a variety of different products. So you can kind of work with a person based upon what their need is. Correct. It, coming to me is like going to Cub. Okay. Okay. Um, in, the, in, the, uh, in the mustard aisle. Yes. There's 50 different types of mustard. One, okay. okay. Gotcha. Right. Mm-hmm. So I work with over 60 different lenders. Every one of these lenders have different programs. They all have different guidelines. 
and you can basically, if you listed all of them on paper, you'd find out, oh my God, everyone is different. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So that way, when a consumer works with me, I'm able to actually look at their total situation, all their assets, all their income, and then go, what is going to be the best program that's going to meet that consumer specific need? Gotcha. Okay, so we are actually always happy to have you call into the Red Hot Real Estate Show. If you've been holding on to a mortgage question, today is the day to call. And uh, we have Peg that's on the phone right now. Peg, I'm sorry, what do you got going on today, and what would you like to ask Phil? Morning, Peg. Oh, well, I was just driving home from church. I go occasionally. <laughs> and I, I, I turned on the program because it's usually on the gals, you know, on the weekdays, but he was on there. I have a uh, kind of a dumb question, but I have a home that's paid for I'm in my 60s. I just retired. I have a home that's paid for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's worth about 400 450 It's a townhome in a good area. Yep. And I just wondered if there's any wisdom, in your opinion, for me to take like, half of that money out and invest it in real estate. Other than I have other money invested in other things. And I just thought you might have some ideas on that. I Well, uh, when it comes to it is uh, buying investment properties, I'm a big believer in being very broad, diversified with your investment portfolios, be it your 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, annuities. And if if the market goes down and you're diversified broad enough, uh, the the amount of declining or shares that you're going to have is going to be a lot far less than if you've got all your money in one or two egg baskets. So it would be an okay idea if the market was right. If the market's right, and what I tell an investor, when and I do lots of investment property uh, purchases, is you cannot fall in love with the house. You have to fall right. in love with the financials of the transaction, be it the cash flow. Now, as an investor, you can go one of two routes. You're either a short-term investor or you're a long-term investor. A long-term investor, you're going to have some form of lease, contract for deed, or something attached to that property. Or you're going to buy the property, fix it up, and then turn it. And you want to turn it as quickly as possible because uh, every month you keep that property, you're going to continue to pay property taxes, interest, insurance, all those types of things. But I would be glad to talk with you on... uh, hopefully working with you to put together a great investment uh, strategy for you. Okay. How do I contact you? Peg, you you know what we can do, if that's okay, is that our producer, Sonny, is going to get your information right now. Is that okay, Phil? So producer Sonny will get her information, and then he can go ahead and give you a call back after the show. Would love to do that. It's not going to work today because I'm going to basketball games all day into the evening. So I'm home during the day, during the week. Perfect. And you can give me a call then. That I'll give you a call. Me. I'll give you a All call right. tomorrow. Hold on, Peg. We'll All go right. ahead and get your information. And we do want to take more calls. Carly, I know you're on your way to church, but we're going to take your call when we get back. And what else are we going to cover today, Phil? Uh, we're going to cover alternative creative financing loan programs for people that are retired and also for people that have a lesser income than the median average. All right. We'll talk about that. And we're going to pick up Carly here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show when we return. 
Thank you for joining us here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show on My Talk 1071. I'm Ms. Shannon, and normally we are also joined by your Red Hot Real Estate host, Mimi Shoneman. She had to take the day off, but we still have your good friend Phil Olson from American Mortgage and Equity. You can always go to his website, callphilolson.com, and we'll talk more about that. But Carly, thank you so much for joining us here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Good morning. I know you're on your way to church, so thanks for taking a break and calling in with your question. Hi. Okay, my question is kind of a twofold thing. Um, I've, my income is kind of low right now and my mortgage is very high. My, uh, and I'm trying to get rid of the PMI. They did finally take my PMI off, only they didn't take the entire amount out. They took half of it out. When I've tried to call them back, they, they won't call me. They don't return my phone calls. My other question is, I found another mortgage company that came to my mail. I don't know how legitimate they are, but they swear that it doesn't matter what my income is they can help me get a new mortgage with lower rates and lower mortgage per month. Okay. What do I think about that? I would, mm-hmm. I would say uh, it's all in the verbiage of the letter, and sometimes you can't trust what the letter says. Right. There are so many different, um, I'm going to say, marketing schemes out there that try to get the consumer to call in. I would definitely recommend that you're working with a very seasoned and professional mortgage loan officer that has tons and tons of capability to look at your specific situation. I understand that you're trying to get the PMI removed. PMI can be removed based on an appraisal. Yes, an appraisal. Yep. Understand that it is the lender that probably hired the appraiser. There are lenders out there, believe it or not, that are very conservative when it comes to the exact appraised value. It also depends on the type of current mortgage loan that you currently have it's a it's a freddie mac you have a freddie mac okay yeah. so it's not an fha no. okay and under freddie mac and and fannie mae there is no such thing as a product out there that's not going to take your full income into play in order to determine qualifying purposes and then minnesota law also says that the consumer has to be able to afford the mortgage and all the income has to be calculated based on what's called debt-to-income ratios. But guess what? I would love to be able to take a look at your situation. Thank you. It's a puzzle. I'm a fantastic (laughs) mortgage puzzle maker. All right. And if anybody can figure this out, I'll figure it out for you. And if I can can help you now, I promise you, I will help you in the future. Oh, please. All right. Um, So I gave them my phone number and my email. Perfect. I will, and you're, what my, was your name? My name is Phil Olson with American Mortgage and Equity Consultants, and okay. I look forward to helping you. Bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, just to let you know that I have an appointment with this mortgage company on Wednesday, so if you could call me before that, that would be great. That way I could make I, a decision. <laughs> I can call you here today, ma'am. Awesome. Thank you so much, Phil. You're Bye. welcome. Bye now. Thanks, Carly. And if you have a question, you can call Phil right now at the Red Hot Real Estate Show at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. Not only is Phil giving out amazing information this morning, he's also making a donation to a very worthy local organization just for you calling in and getting your question answered. So, again, you're giving $50 per call to a local woman's shelter. Is that what we decided, Phil? Absolutely. And that is just, you know, it's awesome because you don't have to do that. You're already providing a great 
great service, but it is wonderful that you're, you know, again, a local business guy, a local mortgage consultant, and also willing to do great things here in the Twin Cities. I love volunteering and I love giving back to the community. One of the things I thought was fantastic about what you were saying to Carly is you were talking about how you, you know, it's a puzzle. And that you're really good and you enjoy helping put together all of the pieces of this puzzle for your clients. Correct. Because sometimes they don't know where to start, I'm sure. I wouldn't know where to start. I, it, it is a big puzzle. And then, and then the other problem is, is if you're not working with a mortgage lender that thinks like a puzzle. Right. Then guess what? They're going to miss pieces. Okay. Those pieces, okay, can be the difference in a loan approval, a lower interest rate, a better program. Um especially if they're just trying to do volume. They're not thinking about the consumer. They're just pushing product. Yes. Okay, I'm not going to push product. My job is to sit down with you. I'm going to ask you tons and tons of questions. Right. I want to understand what you're trying to accomplish. And then I have to ask myself the questions, how do we do that based on your employment, your income, how you're paid, your investments, what you have in money, what you don't have in money, what's the possibilities you have. And then maybe I hone that down to maybe two or three programs, and now I actually will sit down with the customer and say, okay, based on everything you've presented here, okay, and based on all these puzzle pieces that we have, we could do this, 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 or this. But guess what? Every one of these programs has a positive, and everyone has a negative. But my mind thinks is... How can I make this payment as affordable for the consumer as possible? Because that's really what the consumer's concern with is right. in buying a house. They want to love their home, but they want to be able to afford it. Because okay? you can't love it if you can't pay for it. No. Mm-hmm. And a matter of fact, I just I just closed a loan here this last, it was this last week, where the consumer uh, didn't have a lot of money to put into their transaction, and I was able to come up with a program that doesn't have PMI on it. Right. There's no mortgage insurance, but guess what? It's built into the rate. Okay. But when you compare another program with the PMI at the lower rate compared to the program with no PMI, it saved them $150 a month. And that's a big deal for that, a lot that, of us that's families a, out there. That, mm-hmm. That's a that's big money. Right. You know, you're talking, you're literally talking $1,800 a year. That's That's cash. A lot, that can go a long way. It yeah. seems like, Phil, it's like sometimes the stories that you're telling is that, you know, it's really just getting the people to take that first step of actually contacting you. Because, you know, as a potential home buyer, sometimes you're just sitting there going, I know the answer is going to be no, or they're not going to be able to help me. So we don't even try. And so what you seem to be encouraging people is go take the time to call, take the time to sit down with me. The answer may not be no, or it may mm-hmm. not be, well, not this week, but in six months time, we can do this. Uh, I'm going to re, re, relate this to the previous show. Mm-hmm. She was talking about planning right. at 30, 40, 50. Okay? Yes. I'm going to help you plan. Right. I'm going to give you all the tools. And guess what? Then based on those tools, based on that plan and what you're bringing to the table, I can set up a realistic timeline for you or expectation of what you're going to be able to accomplish and when you're going to be able to accomplish that. Perfect. And if you have a question, again, we are uh, giving away a, or I'm sorry, making a donation to a local women's shelter for every call that we get today at 651-641-1071. Again, the number is 651-641-1071. Jean, good morning. How are you? Thanks for calling the Red Hot Real Estate Show. 
I'm good, thank you. Good morning, Jean. Good morning. Go ahead with your question for Phil, please. Okay, Phil. Um, I have two rental properties, and they're both on arms. Okay. And I have my own home, which is on like a four and a quarter okay. percent. Um, I'm looking at potentially refinancing this. I'm trying to avoid all the major costs to do that. Mm-hmm. Can you give me kind of a ballpark as to what rates are running for a refi? A Can refi? I pause just a second, Jean and Phil? So she said an arm. What's an arm for everyone That is listening? called an adjustable rate mortgage. Okay. And what's and the difference between that and other mortgages, Phil? Mean, it means, it, well, you've got different types of arms. You've got three ones, five ones, seven ones, ten ones. And when I say that first number, three, mm-hmm. okay, that means it's going to be fixed okay. for the first three years. And then after that, it can adjust dependent on the arm, okay? It could be a one, two, one, or whatever it happens to be, meaning it can adjust as much as, let's just say, 2% in the fourth year. Okay. And then it could adjust another 1% every year after that with a cap. And normally your caps are five or six, okay. which means if her interest rate was, say, four, once it gets into that adjustment period and it goes through the number of years, it could literally get to 10%. Okay. So those are very, they can be very risky products, okay, but since she put them on investment properties, I believe that's a far better strategy to do it on an investment property than you would put that on your primary residence. So where are rates? I would say they're anywhere between one half to three quarters of a percent higher than your standard rate for a purchase transaction or a refinance transaction because investment property uh, interest rates are always much higher than, say, a second home or a primary residence. Is that true if you have a large amount of equity? I would tell you that the large amount of equity is going to be very beneficial because that will pull down the rate. Okay. What are your current rates right now? Uh, they're in the threes now. They okay. were down in the twos. Okay. Uh, they've gone up into the mid threes, but I know things are going up. So mm-hmm. I, I just am getting to the point where I'm thinking maybe I should do something. I would tell you it comes down to what your short-term and your long-term strategy is on those specific properties. And right. I would be glad to take a look at it and run the numbers for you to see what makes sense. It may not make sense for you to refi. Right. Because if you're going to sell these properties in two to three years, I would tell you, don't refi. Okay. But if you're right. planning on keeping these properties really long term, then I would have to know what the adjustment rate schedules are on those specific properties to tell you what the maximum rate could be and what your what your positive or your negative could be. And believe me, it could be a scary situation down the road. Well, I Yeah, I, I understand all, all of that. But, I mean, we have a huge amount of equity mm-hmm. in both of them. Okay. And, um, I mean, we bought one in 2003 and the other one in 2005. Mm-hmm. So we've had them for quite a while. So they've, you know, run down quite a bit. Sure. Well, that's um, outstanding. Is there a, a certain low level of a mortgage that is, you know, that you'd like to see? I mean, that you don't want to see where the rates go up if it's like, I've heard some people say that if it was under like 120 that, you know, the rates are higher. Or if it's under 130, the rates are higher because there's not as much money for the lender. Correct. 
I would say those those are probably start at about a hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. And then, you, uh, mm-hmm. and then okay. nor- if the loan amount is less than a hundred thousand, and I'd have to actually look in the books, but normally you could be easily looking at an additional eighth of a percent higher interest rate, but it's okay. not substantial. Right. But you could if if you you could take extra cash out of it then if it was something that it's it's close to that, but. Um, if you wanted to take cash out on an investment property refinance, you can do that. Right. All right, Gene. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing thank that you. scenario. We'll get your contact information. You can follow up with Phil, and maybe he has some additional numbers for you. Is that cool? Perfect. That'd right. be wonderful. All right, I'd Gene. love to help you. Hold on. Okay. Our producer, Sonny, is going to get that information. We have plenty of time to take more calls. I know we got somebody on hold right now, and we'll get to that. And also, what else do we need to cover again this morning, Phil, when we well, return? I'd really like to talk about alternative creative financing loans specifically for it is retirees and for those that are below a median income average. All right. You'd like to talk about it? We'd like to hear it here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show when we get right back. Thank you for joining us here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Mimi Shoneman is off today. I'm Miss Shannon. Join from American Mor- joined with Phil Oyson from American Mortgage and Equity. Hello again, Phil. Uh, rocking the house. Phil, you've been giving people some great information today. Again, we like to encourage people to go to your website, callphilolson.com. And again, the it. number that you like to give out if they want to call you personally. 651-238-6748. Call me anytime between 7 in the morning, 9 o'clock at night, Monday through Sunday. I promise I'll answer. And I like that you work with clients who might have kind of a story outside of what they think would be a shiny, happy, immediately you got approved storyline. So if they're a little outside of that window, you can still work with them and you have some great products that's available for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about two things. So you said you want to talk about people who are maybe on the lower income side and some people that might be, you know, uh, are we going to go based upon age first or income first? What do you want to do first? Why don't we talk about retirees? Okay, Okay. let's do that. And, you know, one of the one of the things that that I say, what what it really comes down to is in finding your loan officer, your mortgage company. Is that loan officer asking you a ton of questions? Matter of fact, there's programs out there right now where they only ask you for your W-2. Well, guess what? You might have a lot of other additional income streams. Right. And if if those income streams are not explored, that's going to limit the number of different programs or rates that you might be getting. And they're basically, they're just pushing product. Right. Okay. So- When we talk about retirees, what are the things that I'm looking at, okay? One, I'm going to look at all your Social Security income. And guess what? Social Security income can be grossed up normally about 115%. Oh, okay. Then you got what's called dividend income. All right. Those are monies that you're receiving based on your investments. And as long as you've been receiving dividend income for a period of two years, you can actually count that as an income stream. Okay. Then you have land income or or land producing income. Is that similar to our last caller, Jean, when she said she had some investment properties? It could be okay. investment properties. But what happens, let's say I own 50 acres of land and I let the farmer down the road till the land and plant corn. Now we have an income producing piece of land. Okay. And guess what? We can use that as income. Um how about mutual fund distributions or how about you've got a mutual fund that's $200,000 and your age is 62 and you haven't even started drawing? Well, guess right. what? 
Most lenders will not take that as an income stream because you haven't been drawing off the income. But right. guess what? There's another way of doing it. Oh, it's okay. Ca- it's called annuitizing the income. So let's suppose we have a person that has a million dollars in a retirement account, but they're not drawing. Yes. I can take that million dollars, divide it by 360 months, and now I can use that as the income. Oh, okay. So whatever the math would be on that million dollars divided by 360, and I'm thinking it's probably going to be about $2,800. Mm-hmm. Now I can use that as $2,800 a month towards qualifying. A lot of lenders don't even use that program or don't know about it or they can't do it. Right. Okay. Um, We got rental income. Now, when people say they have rental income, I really don't know if they have rental income until I see how they do their tax returns. Okay. And how they take their write-offs on that specific rental income. Let me give you an example. Let's say they made... $20,000 on their rental income this year. Yes. But they did $35,000 worth of rehab on the property. Okay. And now they claim that $35,000 as rehab on their tax returns. All right. Well, guess what? You now have a $15,000 loss, which means you have to take the $15,000 divided by 12, and now that goes against their income. Okay. So when I meet with people... I might talk to them about, do you really want to do that rehab? Mm -hmm. Okay, because it could affect your debt-to-income ratios. All right. How about alimony income? People think just because you're getting alimony income, it can be counted. It can. When's it going to end? All right. All right. You have to be able to show that the income stream is going to continue for three years. Otherwise, you can't include it at all. Otherwise, you cannot include it. And if it's stepped down, then you have to go with the lower step-down figure as well. All right? But it can be used as income. Then you got pension income, farm income. We've already talked about annuitizing. Well, how about home equity? When people say, well, I only have $10,000 in the bank. Well, hold one here. You have a house. It's worth three hundred. dollars You owe one hundred. dollars Well, guess what? You have $200. 200000 in the bank. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. How do we use that? How do we use that in your transaction? Maybe we don't use it, but exploring it and finding out about it gives you that many more options. And since we're speaking about a potential client that would be a retiree, mm-hmm. does this go back to what you mentioned at the beginning of the show that maybe this retiree would like to qualify for something right now mm-hmm. before they put their current home on the market. And Correct. so this can help them qualify to find the new home and not worry about that potentially you know, transitional period where they don't have any place to move. You are absolutely correct. And okay. believe it or not, we could use that home equity as their down payment on their other house. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So, I mean, there's so many different ways to spin a mortgage or work with a mortgage puzzle the question is, is are you working with a mortgage person that has the capability of manipulating the puzzle? Fair enough. And I think it's interesting because you mentioned that they should be happy that you're asking so many questions. Because as busy people, you're like, oh, my gosh, why are they asking me so many questions? So it seems like a good thing. They just asked me for two things. And I hit click on a computer screen and now I'm done. No, and you're the- saying, no, that's not the case because that should be a complicated process. 
I'm not saying it should be a complicated process, but it should be a thorough process to understand what are you trying, what are you trying to accomplish, and guess what? The consumer's always coming to the, us mortgage people going, we want the best program, the best rate, the lowest closing costs. How do you do that when you don't explore everything? And guess what? Once I've explored everything, it allows me then to be able to analyze their situation and say, this will work, this will work, this will work. Which one's better? Which one's worse? What's the downside? What's the upside? Right. And then present that to the consumer and they're going, oh my God, Phil, <laughs> I met with another mortgage guy. He didn't present me. And I hear this all the time. Right. They didn't present me with all these options. Well, that's because they didn't do their job. Sorry right. to say. You know, other income. Okay. We talked about the home equity. How about a non-occupant co-borrower? I don't even know. What, what do you mean? To okay, explain that so to me. Okay, we've so got, we've got uh, this, this woman that's 67 years old. She's got limited income. And guess what? Rent is going up, and she wants to buy another house. Yes. But guess what? She don't qualify for that next house because her income isn't high enough. But yet, her son has a great job. Yes. Okay. And he goes, Mom, I'd like to help you get into this house. It's perfect for you. It's it's one level. Your 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 laundry and everything is on the first floor. Well, guess what? I take mom's information. I take son's information. And guess what? Now I'm going to merge them together so that mom can qualify for that house. All right. And the non-occupant co-borrower is going, well, what are my legal ramifications here? Right. Are they going to take my house? Guess what? There's no cross-collateralization, meaning, oh, okay. meaning that son owns a primary residence. That's where him and his wife and his family live, and they make the payments every month. And what happens? You know, God forbid mom falls behind on the mortgage. No, the mortgage company cannot come after the son's house. It's a, just all on this one it's, property. It's only on this one property. Okay. Non-occupant co-borrowers can be a great way to help somebody get to that next step. Um, and then last but not least, how about paying debt at closing to create more cash flow? Okay. Okay. So people here, let's say we have we have forty thousand to put in, put down on a house. Yes. Okay. But guess what? Forty thousand only knocks the payment down about five dollars per thousand. Okay. So that's two hundred bucks, right? Yes. But Mr. and Mrs. Smith, they have a thousand dollars in debt. Mm -hmm. Okay. That thousand dollars in debt is twenty thousand dollars total indebtedness. Okay. Well, how about we put only twenty thousand dollars down? We pay off all the debt, which saves them a thousand dollars a month. Right. And guess what? Instead of their mortgage payment, it's going to go up twenty, which is a hundred dollars, right? Yes. But guess what? It goes up a hundred. But I'm gonna save you a thousand. Yes. Now, might that be a better strategy than you taking every penny you got to put into the next house with another thousand dollar obligation on top of it? Exactly. So, the, I'm just getting back to. You have to look at the full scenario, what is the consumer presenting, and then present them with viable options that will actually help them. All right. Well, we had a great scenario there for retirees, but the next population you want to cover when we get back is, again, what? I want to cover individuals that have less than a median income. 
which is about less than $100,000 a year. All right. We have that, and we also can take your calls here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show when we get right back. Thank you for joining us here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Your host, Mimi Shoneman, is out today, but we are joined uh, from American Mortgage and Equity. Phil Olson is here. Again, I like to give out your information. It's very easy to remember. Call philolson.com. The phone number, because you do like talking to people during the week, 651-238-6748. Is that right? You got it. All right. And today, we have been taking calls. There have been some great calls so far on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. That number is 651-641. 1071. That's 651 641 1071. And Phil, uh, every time you come on the show, you do so, you have really just helped a variety of organizations or had some really cool deals to help people, you know, and today is no exception. So for everyone who calls in today with a quality question of Mr. Olson, he's going to donate $50 to a local woman shelter here in town. So we appreciate you doing that. We've had four so We've far. We've had today. four, $200. So, perfect. Got time for two more. Awesome. Awesome. Again, the number is 651-641-1071. In the meantime, we just finished uh, coming up with some strategies. If you were in the scenario of being a retiree and what you could do to potentially get into a new home. Uh, And so now you wanted to talk about a different category of people. Mm -hmm. And that's someone with a, how did you put it, Phil? It's less than the median income. So let's just say your family makes less than $100,000 a year. Yes. As a lot of us are in that scenario. Mm -hmm. I would probably tell you if the census came out, it'd probably say that 75% of the general public out there is below $100,000 annually. Right. And when you're looking at that number, sometimes you go, well, that means I got to just take whatever I can get. And you go, no, that's not the case, right? Absolutely. It's okay. not the case. You know, um, so there, there's, there's, there's really some things we or I do different when I'm working with those specific types of families is I want to find every piece of income that they have because they're saying, well, Phil, the, the, the house we want is 250. Yes. Okay. And well, in, in other words, in order to qualify for 250, your income has to be at this specific level or your debts have to be low enough to compensate to where your debt to income ratios work out. Right. Well, there are specific programs out there that one will allow for higher debt to income ratios, okay. which then gives that consumer the ability maybe to buy that little bit nicer home that they were looking for. Or it really comes down to going back to the puzzle again and looking at all the specific income streams. So what are there? There's other income streams out there that I think are missed in the process. How about ch- children's social security? Oh, okay. So guess what? Mm -hmm. If your children are receiving SSI, that can be used as an income stream. How about those families that are have adopted a child and they're receiving adoption income from the state? That can be used as well. How about child support? Child support can be used, but then you have to go back to that three-year rule again. Gotcha. Okay. It's got to continue for three years. So if your child is 17, but the divorce decree says that after 18, they're going to continue to receive child support while they're going through higher education, then that income could then be counted again. And I'd say, okay, give me your divorce decree. Right. That's where I'm asking for this documentation. Um how about two part-time jobs? Yeah. People, people think there's lots of people that have two part-time jobs. And they go, well, because I've got two part-time jobs, I can now qualify for a home. My, my comeback is maybe. Yeah. Well, because the rule says 
that if you're going to use two part-time income jobs, you must have been on both jobs continuously for the last two years, or you cannot count either one. Okay. So it comes down to, can you, can you use it? How much can you use? Then the question is, is there overtime? Well, then there's that other rule again. If you're going to count overtime, you have to be able to show that you've had overtime continue, continuous over the last two years. Okay. And then sometimes that's not the case. So then you can't count it. Um, how about welfare income? Okay. Welfare income can be used as well. Sure. Okay. A lot of people don't don't know. Didn't that. think I could use no. that. Right. Okay. Okay. Then we've talked already about the alimony. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what other income streams might be coming through on the tax return? Well, if your mortgage lender only asks you for your W-2. Yes. And they don't ask you for your tax return, they might say, well, you qualify for 200 Then again, I look at the tax return and I see dividend income or I see other income streams and I go, uh, Mrs. Smith, no, you qualify for two fifty because it might have be someone like me that has a stack of ten ninety nines and not just all w twos. Correct. Got it. Okay. All right. Um, then how about gifted funds? All right. And Pete, what are those again? What do you gifted count those funds as? are? Let's suppose you have an immediate family member that's willing to help you out, and maybe not as a co borrower. Now, okay. as a co borrower, they can help you out with the, your income. They can also help you out with your assets. Yes. But if we're using a relative to help gift money to you to help you in a transaction, they can do that. They can legally, as long as that money came from some form of banking institution, they can actually use that money. Now, how can that be an important thing? Let's suppose your agent's telling you, you need to make a full offer and you cannot ask for closing costs because if you ask for closing costs, you're not going to get the house and they're going, I'm four grand short. Yes. Well, guess what? Now we get the relative to help with the four grand. They're going to pay their own down payment. And then we're going to use the four grand to help cover the closing costs, and then maybe we're still short by two grand. Well, then what I'll do is I can present the option of, of let's adjust the rate up by, let's say, 0.375%. Right. Okay. And guess what? Now you get what's called a lender rebate of $2,500 from the lender. So now we got the four grand, we got the 25, we got the closing costs covered, you got your down. And oh, by the way, now you can make that offer with no closing costs. And again, the puzzle is complete. Perfect. Mm-hmm. The puzzle's always is always in the works because it changes on every single home. Perfect. And Phil, we have a question real quick, and this one is a little different. So Lynn, you have a question about refinancing? Right. Hi, um, Lynn. My mor- Hi, how are you? Good. M- my mortgage is less than four years. I own only 35000 left. Yep. But, but the thing is, I just... Um, got a new roof, so that's going to be added to my, um, you know, my um, debt to income ratio. So, debt to income ratio. Did you take out a uh-huh. loan to to fix the roof? Right. Okay. All right. Well, it will, really depends on what the interest rate is on that roof. Would then determine if it would be worth you doing what's called a cash out refinance, consolidating the first mortgage along with the second load. And then I can take a look at what's called the the two different interest rates 
and pair them together to tell you what your true rate is on your outgoing house expense. And that's really what will then determine, would it be worth refinancing or not? More than likely, I'm going to probably tell you it's not going to be worth refinancing because with with such a small loan of $35,000, it takes a really, really long time to recoup your closing costs. But unless I know what your rates are and how much you owe and what you need to do, I couldn't just verbally tell you it makes sense or not. Okay. But, Lynn, if you hold on, producer Sonny will get your information, and Phil can help you run those numbers at a later date. Is that cool? Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks for joining us this Sunday. I just like watching you get excited about helping people, Phil. It's one of my favorite (laughs) parts of the week is watching you go, somebody just asked me a lot of numbers questions, and you never look like... Not daunted at all. Just happy with it, whether you got a you know a calculator in your hand or not. You're always ready to help. I mean, I think I think all good uh, investment decisions should be based on some form of math, right? And the math needs to be true and concise, and that's really what will help a consumer determine what is the best thing for me to do, right? And then you have to ask the question: What is the short term, and then what's the long term goal? Because if if it doesn't match the short term, I'll probably say then it's not worth doing. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes it is, as you said, like and, and, and even the fact that you brought up what we were talking about with uh, our friend Cassandra from Clear Step Financial. Mm-hmm. As a as a as a mom, as a as, as somebody that is running my family, I am trying to decide what's best for my family and best for my son. Ten years down the road, you know, he just turned ten. I'm still thinking, well, what's he going to do, and what scenario would I be in when he's twenty? Mm-hmm. And so. Looking into, is it time for me to buy? What house should I buy? It's only the two of us right now, but what's going to be a good decision for him later? It's it, it's so much more comforting to be able to talk to someone like you to go, well, I can't crystal ball this future, but this is probably a wise decision for you and your family, and here's how we can make it happen. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with you with what you're saying there. It just really comes back to what are you trying to accomplish Home ownership is far cheaper in the short and long term than renting because the renter's rebate stops, I believe, at like 42000 Definitely. So you don't, you don't get any monies back there. And, and when you do, it's like a check for 350 bucks. Right. Well, guess what? You can write off all your interest on your home loan. And guess what? For the first 10 years... You're going to get a big whopping check back as long as your income isn't excessive. And what do I mean by that? Once you start hitting 90000 it's going to slowly get smaller and smaller. But guess what? Your average person that makes, say, $60,000 a year and has $10,000 in interest that they're writing off on their home loan will probably equate back to a check of $6,500 from the federal government. Thank you for everyone who called in today. I know we have somebody on hold. We'll get your information. And Phil will, of course, follow up with you. We'll have you on again very soon, Phil. I want to remind everybody they can find you at callphilolson.com or 651-238-6748. Thanks for joining us, Phil, and thanks for making that donation to that woman's shelter. Awesome. We'll see you again soon. You can find all this information at mytalk1071.com, keyword red hot.